0: Let's give a hand to Susie and Eric for leading us in worship this morning. Man, what, what a great time. I've been enjoying family, and I know that you have too over this these holiday break. Uh, Eric actually was a part of our ministry since San Antonio. So I've known Eric for about the last six and a half years, um, and just a really, really neat to see God using him today. Well, this morning, I'm not the opening act for Pastor Ron. Uh, I am actually preaching this morning, and I'm excited to share God's word with you. This morning, if you have your smartphone or your tablet, I invite you to open that up. On and you will see a live event from the assembly, and uh, you will have, be able to get all the sermon notes on there. They will be on the screen also, so for those of you that may feel technologically challenged or it may not be uh, your forte, uh, I will let you know you'll still get to hear God's word and take pen and paper notes if you want. So there is nothing wrong with that this morning. But I do feel uh, just a strong passion to preach God's word this morning. First service this morning, I just, you can tell that God is in this place through worship. Even though we've passed Christmas, I know that the Christ who was in Christmas is with us this morning. And I can feel him here. And I'm excited to share God's word with you. As we look at this time of year, I, I, you've probably eaten too much. You've probably got way more than, the, than you've deserved. Um, hopefully, you guys have, have had just an incredible year. But in this, in this time, in between Christmas and January 1st, begins a very u- unique time in my own life. As I look at this time of year, I, I begin to focus upon what has happened through 2013 and what I would like to do better in 2014. And as I've reflected back over 2013, I've, I've come to understand that it's been a pretty tough season and a pretty tough year for the Weaver family. As we started off 2013, my dad, who had prostate cancer a few years ago, uh, had a doctor's checkup that said that he would need to begin chemo treatments. And as I started that, that's how we started the year, and I'm my dad's only son. He has daughters, but we all know that his son is his favorite. And... As we started that year, we started with the very real concern of that, and as we've moved into this year, there's been several things that have happened, just, I know, similar to what's happened in your life. This year, I laid to rest and was a pallbearer in my uncle's funeral. Served God faithfully for many years as a pastor, and I was able to celebrate his home going, but also mourn the loss of someone I loved. As I look through this year, there's been several ups and downs, and personal things that have happened, and as I began to reflect, I began to become a little overwhelmed with all that had transpired in 2013. The week before Christmas, I received word that my grandmother had passed away, she was my last grandmother, she was 95 years old, and it was a good thing for her, but there was still just the loss around the holidays. So in the middle of all of that, I'm not only juggling the things that have happened that to others and extended family members. But then I receive in the mail my homeowner's insurance policy. After I received that and saw the rate increase for the following year, I had other issues to deal with also. So the week before Christmas, I'm going through insurance and I'm looking at homeowner's insurance. I'm looking at car insurance. I'm looking at life insurance. I'm doing all the things that you have to do in life. And as I looked at the homeowner's insurance and life insurance and trying to figure out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to figure that all out, it it just began to drain on me. I was excited about what was going to happen and all of the things that were happening for the holidays, but I I began to quickly realize that there's both an enormity and a brevity to life. If I were to be honest with you, I, I became more overwhelmed than I was excited about what was happening my head was spinning with what-ifs and possible scenarios, and in the middle of everything that was happening personally and to my family, God showed up and did what God does. He reminded me of how much he cares for me, and that he knows where I'm at, and he's concerned with what troubles me. On the day that I lost my grandmother, I hadn't really told anybody. My grandmother was 95. It wasn't unexpected. 95, if I lived to 95, I... Thank you, Lord, for 95. But on the day that I got the news from my mom, she called me at 3 a.m., that that morning before 8 o'clock, I received two messages from friends that, even though I hadn't posted anything on social media, they just let me know that they were praying for me and that they believed in me. That was none other than God himself reminding me that he's concerned about what concerns me. But still, there was an unsettled feeling. It was out of the ordinary, it was special, I knew that God, I knew that God saw me, I knew where he was, but there was still unsettledness in my heart. Now I know that you guys never face that because you're not pastors, but for me, I still had that feeling of being concerned about what ifs and the possibilities that were going to happen. And then God spoke to me through the text that I'm going to read to you this morning. It was incredible to have people reach out to me and let me know they cared. There was a personal moment that God spoke to me directly that I want to share with you this morning. Our family has a nighttime uh, routine that we do. Every night when we go to bed and we, we take my daughter to bed, she's four years old, we read a Bible story from this Bible right here, the Beginner's Bible. In the last four years, we've, we've gone through it pretty well. Um, I know almost every story in here uh, a few times, and I can look at the pictures and tell you what they are. But we would read a Bible story and we would pray. My daughter's prayer concern right now is that we would have a baby brother and a baby sister come to our house. If you never had to pray that prayer, um, you know what an overwhelming prayer that is to pray. The only reason we're praying for a baby brother and a baby sister, I don't want you to think that my daughter asked for too much. Every night, she would pray that she would have a baby sister come to her house. And every time that I would pray, because I get to lead prayers, I would change it from baby sister to baby brother. So when we would pray, she'd go, no, Dad, I said a baby sister. And I said, well, if you want me to pray for that, you're going to have to pray for that. I'll take a little girl. She's great. But as a dad, I I wanted a little boy, too. And so she got smart, and she said, Dad, let's pray for a baby brother and a baby sister. Um... So I know he hears, and we'll see if he answers in that way. So as we were sitting there, I uh, began to read her Bible, and and God began to just speak to me through one of the passages in this Bible. So this morning, we're going to take our text from the beginner's Bible. The story is paraphrased, and it's simplified. What better way around this time than to go back to the simplicity of the gospel. That Jesus loved us enough that he stepped into our world. And I'm not going to read the nativity story. I'm actually going to read uh, a, verse, a passage of verses from 1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16. So if you need a more adult version, you can go and read your, your better version than this. What I'm going to ask my daughter to do this morning is to come up and help me as I read our Bible passage. This is Riley. Riley's doing dad a big favor today because she does not like crowds, but we've promised her goodies, so <laughs> Riley's excited. Can you smile for him? Okay, that's too much to ask, sorry. Our passage is out of First Kings 17, and I was, as I was reading this to my daughter, God began to speak to me and remind me of how much he cared for me. 1 Kings 17 verses 8 through 16 says this. It says, God told Elijah to go to a nearby town. There he would find a woman who would take care of him. When Elijah arrived, he saw a widow gathering sticks. He asked her for some water and bread. The woman said, my son and I only have enough flour and oil for one last meal. Elijah replied, don't be afraid. God will not let you go hungry. The woman poured him some water and made him some bread. Because she took care of Elijah, God took care of her. The woman's flour and oil never ran out. A couple of weeks ago, we had an event at Impact. That was an ugly Christmas sweater party. And we gave out prizes to whoever had the ugliest Christmas sweater. So my daughter, being that she's four going on 14, decided that she needed a ugly Christmas sweater. And she attended the night, and after it was over, she came up to me and she said, Dad, why didn't you ask me to come on stage so I could win a prize? So I told her that that was for teenagers, and too soon she would be a teenager. But this morning, I uh, have a little prize for her for helping me out. So I have what any good dad would do, a Coke, M&Ms, and a ring pop. So let's give her a hand. <laughs> My daughter's ahead of the curve. I gave her that first service. And then she had a little accident, she tripped and fell, and I said, hey, you want to go eat your prize, you know, that I gave you, because you were such a good girl, and she said, yeah, dad, I'll go in there, so we took her in there, and I said, you know, next service, I'm just going to give you the empty box, I said, and we'll say what I've already given you. She looked at me, she said, I, I don't think so, dad, I think I, I think I need more M&Ms and Coke. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out parenting, so... I'm not talking about that this morning. This morning, if I had to title this sermon, I'd simply title it this, God Cares for Your Tomorrow. That's what God spoke to me that night while reading to my daughter. This morning, I want to look at the three people that are in this story and pull out some biblical truths for you and I. In this story, there's three people, three characters that we're going to look at. You have Elijah, you have the widow, and you have the boy. This morning, as we look at Elijah's story, we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 17. You look at verses 1 through 7, and you see that he's beside a brook. At that brook, he's being fed by ravens. God is providing for him. God is taking care of him. Um, he is getting everything he needs, and God is just being a provisional God. I don't know what a brook is. I know what a creek is. I grew up close to a creek in Texas. They called it a creek, depending on how you enunciate but there was a creek right down from my house, and, and it was basically a, a bridge where cars would pass over. And, and underneath it, there was what we call tunnels. But there was places where the, the, the creek kind of widened out, and it went underneath all of those tunnels. On the other side, it came back together. And so in that creek, there were what we called perch, sunfish. I don't know what you call them. We called them perch. Um, that's about 74 classifications of fish in my book. So there was perch, and we would get trout hooks. We'd get our fishing poles, and we would go down to the creek for the day, and we would put corn on a trout hook, and we would catch perch about this big all day long. Inevitably, because it was a hot Texas summer, the muddy red water that was there would be too inviting for us to pass up on, even though we've been told several times not to get in it, because if you've ever had that muddy red water on you, it, you need bleach to get it off of you. And inevitably, one... Uh, either myself or my friend would fall in and we would have to help the other one get out of the water because that's what good friends do. We'd head back to the house and we'd be covered in red mud, happy as can be. Because in that creek, we could just spend all day and just enjoy living life. Up until this point, Elijah has enjoyed life. God has completely taken care of him, but because of a drought, the creek, the brook begins to dry up and, and God tells him, That he is supposed to go to Zarephath where there is a widow who will take care of him. So look at that story. I just want to pull out the biblical truth that what's worked today might not work tomorrow. He sent Elijah to Zarephath and as you look at the geography, they said it's about 85 miles. 85 miles is a long way to walk and think about what God has called him to do. He has 85 miles to think, God, did you really call me to a widow? Widows were not known for their overabundance. Widows were known for struggling to, to make a meager life at best. Many times their husband had accrued debts for land to provide for his family, and the widow uh, took on those debts. If another family member didn't step in to marry them, then, then many times it was extreme poverty. Elijah had 85 miles to walk and began to talk with God and say, God, are are you sure? But instead of second guessing God, he trusted that God would do what he said he would do. Now, you and I both know that you don't take a widow's last bite of food unless you're confident that God is going to do what he said he will do. But as Elijah went, he knew that he had the promise of God's presence. And with that, there was an assurance for for provision for tomorrow. As he gets there, the story goes on. You see that he he sees the woman grabbing sticks, and she's gathering sticks to prepare the last meal. She's rounding it up, and, and as Elijah meets her, Elijah tells her what God has said. Go and make the bread, but bring me a little, and when you do, God will provide everything you need if you trust him. When Elijah walked into the kitchen, and he saw that there was oil and that there was flour left over, he had to know that God cared for his tomorrow. Next, we look at the widow. For me, this is, this is just the, the person who I, my heart goes out the most to. I can't imagine, as a parent, having a child... There's times at Christmas, we've probably all been there where we would like to do more, where we would like to be able to give them everything they want, even though we know it's not good for them. Sometimes that's what we get into as a parent, but not even being being able to provide the basic necessities to sustain life. I can't imagine the despair that she was facing. I can't imagine as a parent getting to a place where I say, I'm gonna give up, I'm gonna quit trying to get food, I'm gonna give up, quit trying to provide. I'm just going to prepare this, and then you and I, are going to give up on life. We pick up this story, uh, she's tired, she's overwhelmed, she's alone, she's exhausted. There's a famine going on, and it's beyond tight. Maybe you've spent too much for Christmas, maybe maybe you haven't used your money wisely, maybe you know what it's like to be tight, and you think, you know what, in a couple of months, it's going to take me a couple of months to rebound from all the gifts I bought, and and you think, man, money's tight right now, but her story is a story that is beyond just being financially tight. She've reached, she has reached extreme despair. She had no one to turn to. And she reached that point where she said, I give up. I'm done. I'm going to take this little bit that I have, make it into bread, and then give up on life. I don't know a whole lot about baking. Never really, on my top priority of things to do, I could probably get a roll of cookie dough, cut it into shapes and put it on a baking tray and I would still maybe struggle to make sure that I don't burn it. More than likely, I would get them out while they're still soft and chewy and just eat them. Or just skip the cooking altogether and just eat the cookie dough. That's just good too. I don't know a lot about baking, but I know a little about oil. I grew up in West Texas, Texas tea black gold. My dad taught me how to change the oil in my truck. So I know a little bit about oil, oil, however you want to say it. Oil, oil, it's, for me, oil is oil. I first said oil to my wife, and she said, what's that? I go, you don't know what oil is? She goes, you mean oil? Yes, we're talking the same, speaking different languages, but it's the same thing. I don't know a lot about that. I do know that my mom, in the mornings when she would cook breakfast, she would cook sausage or she would cook bacon and there would be grease left over in the skillet. And my mom would use some of that and she would mix it and make gravy. There's nothing better than some gravy that's made out of either sausage, grease, or bacon grease. It's good for your heart too from what I've heard. So, So, around the holidays, maybe your family's like mine, we were celebrating and the kitchen just seems to be the gathering place. No matter how big, if it's a galley kitchen, if it's an open kitchen, the kitchen is the place where the family just arrives at. Usually, it's to try and sneak food and not get slapped by mom. Maybe it's just a place to talk or grab something to drink and just hang out. For some reason, it becomes the central, like, meeting place in our house. And I was there with my family, and my niece was there. Uh, She's six years younger than me. She's like the little sister that I never wanted. And We were in the house, and and we were just hanging out in the kitchen doing what families do, chit-chatting and talking. And she did something. It probably wasn't even anything major, but I pretended that I was going to hit her in the head with a skillet. Now, you may have never gotten to a point where you wanted to pretend to hit someone with a skillet or never at least followed through on it. But I picked the skillet up off of the oven, and I acted like I was going to hit her. And about that time, all of the grease that was in that skillet flew across my mom's kitchen. Now, maybe your mom isn't like mine, because I didn't hear you sucking for air and gasping. But mom's kitchen was like a sacred place, and it looked like there was enough grease in there for about four pigs. It was splashed from one side to the other, and and I thought, oh my gosh. So I did what any good son would do. I ran to grab clean towels. I was, I, I had a death wish that day. So I'm making my way through there, and my mom, it, it, she has those, you know, just those special. She just knows. She was on the back side of the house, and, and and it was like you could hear what happened. Everybody was laughing, and I heard her come charging through the house. You ever had a mom who's charging? You know when she's on the warpath. So I heard her coming through the house, and I had to intercept her because if she saw it, I was dead. So I began to make my way to her, and I began to stick out my hand to, to try and stop her, like physically restrain her almost, which that, that's another dumb thing to do if your mom's like my mom. So I go to stop her, and I'm like, Mom, no, don't just don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Just stay out there. And, and you know, Mom's response, Justin, what did you do? What's wrong in there? What's happened? And, and my nieces are laughing. My dad is being dad. He's standing back, you know, just observing everything to see what's going to happen. And so he steps back, and and so my mom is just on a mission to see what's happened. And she gets about two feet into the kitchen, and she hits the oil, or the grease. And when she hits it, she knows she hit it, because both legs went flying up. And my mom landed flat of her back on that linoleum floor in a pile of grease. We still laugh about it to this day, with bated breath, of course, when my mom's around. I don't know a lot about it, but I do know that a little goes a long way. And this widow didn't realize that the little that she had was enough if she added God to the list of ingredients. God had already devised the plan when she had exhausted all of her options. God saw the widow in her plight and sent Elijah to provide for her. God's not in the business of our preconceived ideas of what is a little or what is a lot. Our dependence upon enough will never be in line with God's concept of provision. The widow had to have enough faith that God was going to do what Elijah had told her That he would do. She wasn't a Jew. She was what would be considered on the outside. She was a Gentile. There she was not a a part of what would be considered the the spiritual community at that time. But God saw her. He cared about her. And He sent Elijah to help provide for her. Can you imagine every time that she went back to that jar and found oil? The feeling that she had to have. After she baked the first loaf, I would have to follow it up with the second loaf. Just to see, because that, that's, that's who I am. Knowing me, I probably would have grabbed like the container of oil and like held it straight up and down to see how long it would have poured. We don't know how much, we don't know any of those things, but we know that it was enough. On day 50, when she went back, and there was still oil and there was still flour. Can you imagine the joy that she felt and the comfort that she had in a God who was able to provide? As I read this story, it says that the drought lasted up to two years. Over 700 days of walking into the kitchen and God meeting her there. At the point of her need, being a God who provides, being true to his word, she could trust in the fact that her today was covered. Not only was her today covered, but he had made promises about tomorrow. And every time she walked in that kitchen, I can only imagine what she felt as she went over to that jar and, and just imagine the joy that she felt and the confident trust that she had in who God was. The story is an awesome prequel in the Old Testament to the grace that God extended to us in the New. See the story, and it's a beautiful example of how God took the outsiders and he included them, and he provided for them. The last one we look at is the little boy. It doesn't say a lot about the little boy. We don't know a whole lot. We do know that he was a victim of circumstance. Obviously, he wasn't old enough to provide for his family. His dad had died. He hadn't done anything wrong. Just caught in a bad situation. He had no idea of the love of an earthly father who was providing on a daily basis. But he had a heavenly father who was working on his behalf. When he walked into the kitchen, I can only imagine him walking in and his mom was crying. You know he had to wonder, Mom, mom, what's happening? And as the mom looked at him through tear-stained eyes and told him that there's a God who's providing for his son, You don't have to worry about what we're going to eat. You don't have to worry about me giving up. You don't have to worry. We have provision. We will have provision. We've been given a promise. And every time I walk in here, I have enough to make food for us. You can only imagine what the little boy's thoughts were. As he walked in there, he had to know that there was a God who cared for his tomorrow. It's incredible to me as I read this story because... God wasn't talking to me about Elijah the widow or the little boy. God was speaking directly to my heart about my willingness to trust him for my today. The story is about trouble, but it's about trust and it's about transformation. We all have trouble. I told you those stories earlier not to get you to feel sorry for me, but that's life. Life is happening as we speak, and we have no control over what's going to happen. We can't, we can't do everything that we want to do, and we can't make things work out like we want. If I had it my way, I would keep my daughter at four years old for the next 15 years, as long as she took naps every day. I would grab my family, and I would hold them close. I wouldn't let time slip away, and I would try to cherish every moment that I can, but we know that that's not realistic. The one thing that we cannot control is our tomorrow. Time is slipping through our fingers, and there's not a lot we can do, but we can trust in a God who controls our tomorrow. Many of us have been caught up in this circle for a while. We begin to look forward forward. Or maybe you're stuck and you've had trouble and you let your past dictate your decisions for your future. You begin to look back on things that have happened and you allow it to make you become jaded or you be, allow it to shape your thought process for the future and you don't allow God to be included in those plans and so you get stuck in this trouble situation and and maybe it's anxieties, maybe it's fears, maybe it's worries, maybe it's finances. I don't know what your concern is. I know if we were to get up here and we were to try to trade blows and say, well, what's going wrong in your life? We could probably sit here for the rest of the day and complain about life if we wanted to, but that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us in the middle of our troubles, in the middle of our concerns, in the middle of our worries to trust him And let him transform our lives. The older I get, the more I understand about who God is and the fact that transformation doesn't have to be external. The biggest works that God has done in my life are an inner transformation of my heart and of my mind. And many times when I go to him and I begin to trust him and I begin to say, God, I know you're big enough. The things on the outside never change, but my outlook, my attitude, my optimism... When I begin to see his word and read his word and see what he says, then I begin to change my perspective and my focus. And even though things externally are not changing, there's a transformation that's happening in my heart because God is working. The older you get, you, the more beautiful you see how amazing it is that God does an inner work. Second thing is that a little goes a long ways. Too many years, too many of us have tried to be someone that we're not. We try to get ourselves cleaned up. We try to get ourselves pretty. We try to make ourselves polished. Then we try to come to God and say, God, here I am. Look at what I've done good. God's not asking us to come before him polish. He's not asking for us to be put together. But he is asking us to use and steward the gifts and resources that he's given us. And whatever that is, he's not asking for you to be someone else. He's not asking you to take and, and, and try to just emulate someone else. He wants you to use what you have to reach the people that are around you. For that, we must start where we are. When God begins to work on you, when he started this process in me, as I was in college, I remember i walked into my life and man, I'm still messed up. Man, I was a wreck back then. And I wanted to do good. I wanted to be good. I wanted to believe what he had said about me and I wanted to trust, but there was still some me that I had to work out. And every morning when I get up and I roll out of bed, there's still a lot of me that I have to get out of the way. I don't understand his divine plan. I don't understand why he saw fit to send his son into our broken, messed up world. But I'm glad he did. And the little that I know about him makes me wanna know more. The more that I trust him, the more that he proves himself o'er and o'er, the more I think, why haven't I trusted him with this? Why haven't I trusted him I told my students, maybe you need to write on a bathroom mirror and dry erase the promises of God. Maybe you need to write a scripture. Maybe you need to write a reminder so that when you walk in there and you start your day, you stand upon the promises of God. That God is who he said he is. That God does what his word says he can do. Challenge to you is not to look forward to tomorrow and what you can be for God, but to honor him with the life he's entrusted to you today. Do something with what you have. God forbid you stand before him and you say, God, I, I just couldn't be so and so. You have in your mind, if you're someone else, it would be better. God has created you because he loves you, he saw you. Maybe you feel like you have a little to give, maybe you feel like you have a lot to give. God's provision is not dependent upon what you feel like your resources are. God. How incredible is that? God doesn't line us up and say, man, you're highly talented, you're highly qualified, you're smart, you're skilled, you're all of these things, you move to the front of the line. God stands and says, I'm enough trust in that this morning. God's promises are enough for tomorrow. Man, when I try to figure out tomorrow, when I try to wonder what train is on what track headed straight towards me, when I try to do all of my figuring, when I try to sort it all out, whenever I try to come up with a plan that, that I think is absolutely foolproof, Life happens. But I saw this on Twitter and I love it. I'm going to read it to you. It says Looking for a word from the Lord, believe that He has already spoken and read what He's already written. God made a covenant with you and I. We're no longer the outsiders, we're included. We were adopted in, we were grafted in. Whatever terminology you you want to use, He wants you to be His. Completely and holy. You're a part. Believe what he said. Read what he's written. Because he is a covenant God. And he has made promises to us that will stand the test of time. Whether you live till 95 like my grandmother. Whether you live to that age or not, his promises will endure. As I was sitting there reading that that night in my daughter's room. Just hit me like a ton of bricks. God is already taking care of my tomorrow. Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 34, he said, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Our job is not to try and control our tomorrow. My job is to trust him today and obey what he's asked me to do. I know it sounds simple, but if you've ever tried it, you know just how big a job that is. And every day we wake up and say, God, just to trust you more. God, to just believe a little bit more of what you've written. God, to stand upon your promises. God, that you are who you say you are, that you did what your word says you've done, and that tomorrow you'll still be there working on my behalf. So, my challenge to you today, before you start figuring out 2014, prepare your heart today for what God wants to do in your life. God cares for you tomorrow. And you can stay perplexed, you stay anxiety filled, you can stay worried, you can stay concerned if you want to. That's not God's plan for your life. Corey Ten Boom said this. She said, Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. I want to wake up. And I want to say, God, I trust you with my now. God, for today, I trust you. God, I can't control tomorrow and I, 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 don't be, I don't wanna be worried, concerned about tomorrow. God, I wanna trust you today. I wanna do what you've called me to do today because today you have a work for me. God, you've prepared plans for me before I even knew it. God, the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by you and today I wanna walk in the best footsteps that I can. Jesus, I want to do what you've called me to do for my friends, for my family. I don't want to be in control. God, I want to trust you more and more. Parents, it's time to prepare your house. Parents often come up to me and ask what they can do to help their children. Ask me what I can do to change their child. And I look at them and I, It's not about a sermon that's been preached. It's about a life that has been lived in front of them. Parents, you instill a value system within your children. You began to shape and you began to mold them, and bringing them to church one Sunday is not good enough for what God has in store for you and your family. Dad, it's time to man up, it's time to be the head of the house. It's time to prepare our hearts. It's time to prepare our homes for what God wants to do. And we start that process today. Look at the story of scripture. So God loved us so much and he cared so much about his future that he sent his son to reconcile us to him. We don't have to worry about the future. He's taking care of it. It's done. It is finished. But There's work to do today. I don't want to constantly think about tomorrow. What could or would or should or if. It's called speculation. I don't want to speculate. I wanted to be wholeheartedly be able to say, God, I trust you. I know you're working it out. And even if I don't know how, even if I don't understand it, I'm going to enjoy the life that you've given me, and I'm going to do my best to honor and obey you. Today is not yours, it's his. You have the opportunity to steward it back to him. There'll be great things accomplished in 2014, I have no doubt of it. There'll be great triumphs, there will be troubles. God this morning is calling us to trust him. This morning, if you haven't had God step into your life and transform you from the inside out. There's no better time to start than today. God has ordered your steps and brought you into this place to remind you that he cares about you. That he's concerned about what concerns you, that he sees the hurts, the fears, the worries, the concerns and he still stands like he did in scripture and says, cast your cares upon me. There's a God who stands with open arms and says, come all who are heavy laden I will give you rest. And my hope for you this morning is that you would not become so consumed with 2014 and the things that you're going to do and your resolutions that you lose sight. What God wants to do in your life this morning. This morning, if you haven't, or you're not walking in a relationship with God, I'd love to talk with you after service. Biggest and best decision you will ever make is to accept him into your life and let him begin to transform you. You may not understand it all at first. You may not get it all right. You may not look as put together as some of us that are in this room, but underneath all of us, we're still people. God sees you, he loves you, and he cares. Maybe this morning you walked in and and other people can't tell, but you just feel like you have a weight on your shoulders. Like life circumstances are just happening and, and you're just overwhelmed. I just want to remind you, just as God saw me in my daughter's bedroom, before she went to bed, he sees you this morning. He sees you, he cares. If you'll let him, he'll minister to you in a powerful way. This morning, I want to pray for you. Pray that God would bless you and that God would keep you. His face would shine upon you and that you would walk in a newfound trust of who he is no matter how old or how young you are, we can always learn to trust him a little more. Whatever situation you're facing, I'm gonna pray that God would show up. And the more that you give to him, the more you'd understand of how he operates. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for who you are. God, this story of providence and provision applies to us this morning. God, you see us, you know us, and you care. God, we're thankful for that. God, I pray right now for every person in this room. God, you see and you know. You speak to hearts, you transform lives. God, without you, we could do nothing. But with you, we know that all things are possible. And God, when we don't see a possible way out, God, you do. And I pray right now that you would just begin that transformational work from the inside out in our lives. God, we wanna be able to say that we trust you. God, we want people to see you in us. God, I just pray this morning, as we go from this place, God, as we go into those places that you've called us to, that you would remind us that you're with us. God, that you see and that you know, and that you are enough for our tomorrow. God, I thank you that you care for my tomorrow. God, you're working things out on my behalf. God, you know before I do. God, I pray that you would just help me to trust you more. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, for your provision, for your guiding hand, God. This morning, I pray that you would just continue to go with us. God, we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. I just wanna remind you of a few things this morning. Next Sunday, we will be having Bob Goff. We'd love for you to bring your friends, your family, your coworkers. He is a dynamic speaker. He wrote a book called Love Does, which is uh, just an incredible book. We want you to come and enjoy that. I promise it'll be worth your time and, and you don't wanna miss out. I wanna remind you there will be no PM service next Sunday, but on the 12th and the 19th, the following two Sundays, we will have a PM service. We're putting a special emphasis on the Holy Spirit and Pastor Ron is going to just bring some powerful sermons throughout the month of January. I want you to be connected. If there's anything that we can do for you as a church family, know that we're here. We walk through life together. We don't always get it perfect, but we do our best to honor God and obey what his word has said. This morning, if you need special prayer, I'll be around for a little while. I'd love to know how I can pray with you. Or if you made a decision for Christ this morning, I just want to celebrate with you. Thank you guys for making the assembly what it is. Thank you for being a part. I pray that God would bless you, that he would keep you, his face would shine upon you, and that he would bring you back next week as he continues that transformational work in your lives. We love you, and we'll see you next week.